0: Hello Miami Dolphin fans, welcome to the Same Old Dolphin Show, now part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker with me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Well, folks, it is either a day that you have been looking forward to for a while or a day that you have come to dread, but it is the Monday after the conclusion of the 2018 NFL regular season, the Miami Dolphins dropping their season finale 42-17 to at Buffalo. It was a third consecutive disappointing bad loss for the Miami Dolphins, and it was just a pretty, pretty Terrible display all around, and it ended their season with a 7 and 9 record, which is on its face, I think, better than both of us predicted. I predicted the Dolphins would finish 4 and 12. I think you predicted 6 and 10, if I'm remembering correctly. So, so they were one game better than what you expected. They were three games better than what I expected. Um, when you look at them on paper, this was a this was a team that whose record was better than the the numbers showed. Statistically, it was the worst defense in the 53 years of the Miami Dolphins franchise, give, allowing more yards than any other defensive unit. In the history of the organization. So, so really, really bad stuff there. Um, they almost allowed the most points out of any defense in the, in the team's history, but the Bills decided to kneel on the ball once they got past the two minute warning at the end of this game. So pretty embarrassing display all around. Um, but I think the team was worse than its record, which I think is fairly easy to say. So that was followed after that seven and seven or excuse me, 42 to 17 loss, dropping the Dolphins to seven and nine to end the season in his post game press conference. This was like the third straight week that Adam Gase was wishing that he had healthy players and and deflecting and just really not taking the blame on his own shoulders. And it really seemed pretty bad. After the game was over, Cam Wake was asked, Many times whether he thought Adam Gase deserved to return as the team's head coach next season. And Cam Wake politely refused to answer the question, which I, th- which at that point that told me quite a bit about what was going on. One of the. One of the main guys, one of the locker room leaders for the Miami Dolphins, Cam Wake, doesn't want to talk about whether or not he thinks the head coach should be back. That threw up some red flags right away. There had been conflicting reports about whether or not the Dolphins were going to be firing Adam Gase. Is it going to go one way? Is it going to go to the other? Are they going to retain him? I You had heard one report that said Steve Ross was expected to take his time in making that decision, um, and that it might take a while for them to decide the future of Adam Gase. But one thing that was reported pretty confidently was that Mike Tannenbaum was going to be out as the vice president of football operations for the Miami Dolphins. Fast forward to today, Monday, the day after, and... Around 9.30, 9.45 this morning, the word came out that Adam Gase had been fired by Steve Ross and he was relieved of his duties as head coach of the Miami Dolphins. The question mark, however, remained at that point whether Mike Tannenbaum was going to continue on in his position. It was sort of a weird feeling going on because the, the thought was that Tannenbaum was the one who was definitely going to go, and it was a question mark about Gase, so when Gase was let go and you hadn't heard anything about Tannenbaum, I think a lot of Dolphin fans were fearing the worst, that Steve Ross had changed his mind, that his old buddy Mike Tannenbaum had convinced him to stay on as the vice president of football operations. However, shortly thereafter, word came out that that was in fact not the case, that Dolphins' General manager Chris Greer had been promoted to the position, uh, to the head of football operations for the Miami Dolphins and that Mike Tannenbaum was not fired. Um, he was reassigned to a, another position within the organization that had nothing to do with football operations. So. What we know right now is that Steve Ross is the owner of the team. He has put his faith in Chris Greer, who is now going to report directly to Ross. He is the new, uh, I guess, Vice President of Football Operations. What we don't know at this point, and it, it, it seems a little unclear, it's a little bit fuzzy, is if Chris Greer is going to also continue to be the general manager or if they are going to bring in somebody else to serve in that role. But what we do know is that Chris Greer is the new vice president of football operations slash GM for now. Mike Tannenbaum is reassigned within the organization. And Adam Gase is no longer the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. So, brain, let's unpack this a little bit. Let's start with the head coach. It turns out that the thing that, and, and word has come out since the firing, that there has been, it really, this was a guy who had, lost the locker room. And so that is interesting because over the past few weeks, one of the few nice things that you had to say about Adam Gase as a head coach was that his players were really playing for him and they really seemed to like him and they really, you know, it seemed like he had the locker room. And now, as it turns out, that was not the case. And that, among other reasons, I'm sure having to do with the lackluster performance of this team, uh, were all contributing factors to the fact that Mr. Gase is no longer the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. He sure did change the culture, though. See, this is that's the thing, right? And that's that's like it goes back now a couple of years now. Every time he's clashed with a player and he had this whole thing about, oh, culture change, culture change, culture change. It turns out that this was a guy with a Napoleon complex who had to be the alpha dog. And if anybody fought back, well, then he was just going to ship him out. And that's why you saw guys like Jarvis Landry and Jordan Phillips both react with essentially celebrations when they, when the word came out that Adam Gase had been fired.
1: Yeah. And one of the guys on the team that supposedly went to Stephen Ross was Kenyon Drake, who it's been reported basically demanded a trade if Adam Gase was going to be back next year. So, I mean, th- this is. You've seen it every step of the way from from his first year here to his last year here, him butting heads with players, with starters, you know, not just with any and multiple guys every year. It's been multiple guys. And, you know, we've heard about this. Well, you got to change the culture. And, you know, Adam Gase is cleaning house with these guys. It's you know, it's going to take him some time. But but, you know, he's changing the culture. but. It didn't seem to be changing because every year it was the same thing over and over again. And now ultimately it seems more so than anything else. Obviously, the record on the field doesn't help, but it seemed to me like Steven Ross would have been fine sticking with Adam Gase, that he had the face the faith in Adam Gase to turn this thing around in the long term had he gotten him the players, had the players not basically had a mutiny, which is what happened. So ultimately that's what got him fired is this whole idea that, you know, you're either going to do things my way or the highway basically. And it's, it's, it's just a, it never works out like that for the coach because at the end of the day, you're not going to
0: fire 53 guys, but it's, you could fire one coach. Absolutely. And you know the problem here with Gase, it sounds like he had his guys and the rest of the team. And if you're a coach that has your guys that you're willing to bend over backwards and make excuses for your guys, but you're not willing to do that same kind of thing for the rest of the team, that's really problematic. And I mean, this has really exemplified the past few weeks, because when a head coach comes out, And start saying things in press conferences like, oh gosh, I wish all these, I wish we had everybody available. You're basically telling, you're basically saying out loud that the guys that are playing for you aren't good enough. And you're throwing your players under the bus. And regardless of whether or not those are the guys that you think you can succeed with, those are your players. And you are responsible for those players. And you need to you need them to have faith in you and you need to have faith in them as much as possible. And Gase was in a, unable to do that. Um Now, the other thing that you can and and you can take it for what it's worth on its face, I think it's interesting. Steve Ross, when introducing Chris Greer in their press conference this afternoon, basically said that part of the reason that. Adam Gase is no longer the head coach of this organization, is that Adam Gase was not committed to the idea of a rebuild. He didn't say that in those exact words. Basically, his exact words were, Adam Gase wants to win right now. And Ross is basically saying, we're not in a place where we can win right now. We need to basically do a complete, excuse me, a complete rebuild. And he said that Gase wasn't ready to do that. Uh, On its face, it seems like that's a little bit of a convenient cover story or, you know, something to say to cover for the fact that nobody liked Adam Gase in the locker room and that it was a lost cause and that he had to go. And so that's his way of sort of being diplomatic. Um, that's a possibility. But the fact of the matter is, I think this is a Dolphins team that is in need of yet again doing a rebuild. The question is whether they really put themselves in a position to be able to do a clean rebuild. Because by moving Mike Tenenbaum to another place in the organization and saying that he was reassigned within the organization but not in a football operations position, that, to me, is a code word for saying he's still going to be heavily influential. We're just not going to say that officially. It seems like he's still going to have Stephen Ross's ear and he's still going to be available there. He and Ross are longtime confidants and friends. It just seems... Unlikely that Tannenbaum is going to go somewhere else in the organization and then suddenly have zero input when it comes to football operations. So Greer is now going to become your direct or vice or vice president of football operations, whatever the, the term is. Um and he's moving into that position and he's going to be the one that is sort of leading the rebuild directly with Ross. The question is, I guess. Is this the right move or is this a little bit of rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic brain?
1: I like that, that phrase, uh, the rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Um, but yeah, that's essentially what it is. I mean, you're, you're really, are you giving Greer more say? Yes. You're basically rewarding Greer. And that's probably the most disturbing part of this because I don't know why you're rewarding him for doing a mediocre job. He's essentially been, been the guy to handle the drafts over the last three years. And, uh, you know, we went over this in the last show. It's You had one really good draft. You had a bad draft. And now you have, you know, this last draft doesn't look great, but I guess it's early. So it may at best, it's a mediocre draft. But it's really mediocre results. And then the guy's been the director of, of – college scouting for the, for the organization for like a decade. So really you can, you can look at the way this team has evaluated talent coming out of the draft for the last decade. And it's really been nothing special. So what is that? Why does that warrant him being promoted as opposed to going out and, and having a legitimate search to bring somebody in who, who has a track record, you know, bring in a fresh voice. You you want this team to go in a different direction. Bring in a new voice. And they kept it in-house. And what's worse is that they kept the old voice. You know, not just Chris Greer, but Mike Tannenbaum. They didn't even completely get rid of him. And you're absolutely right. You've reassigned him. What the hell does that mean? That he's not the guy, but he's still around. He what he so he's essentially he's a consultant. And he's still gonna have a voice. He just doesn't have final say. But he's got enough. He's got enough say and enough sway that he didn't get himself fired. It. it what it looks like to me is like you know. You said you rearranging the the deck chairs on the Titanic. Uh, you know, it's just something for show. It's the fan base wanted to see a change, so we made a change. But behind the scenes, we really didn't make any kind of change. There's really no significant change. And we basically kept things the same. And really, if it wasn't for the players, we probably would have kept Gase. If it wasn't for the players basically revolting and having a mutiny against him, we would have kept everything the same. So all of that said, that's I, I'm not happy about it. It does not sound good. The one... Silver lining here in potentially the saving grace behind all of this, which seems like another Stephen Ross being loyal to a fault with guys that should be fired, and he's going to end up cleaning house like a year from now, and we're going to end up in this situation where you have a new GM come in with whoever – is coaching the team next year, and it won't be his guy. That seems like an inevitable situation that's going to happen again to this franchise because Stephen Ross just refuses to clean house. The one thing that that may be a silver lining is this notion that Stephen Ross has decided that this team needs a rebuild and can't focus on winning now because this is absolutely the right way that they need to be approaching this thing. So if that is indeed the case, then that gives me a little bit of pause and a little bit of say, okay, I see. I I like where your head's at, but do we have the right guys in place to make those decisions?
0: Right. That remains the question. You made a very good case in our preview show uh, for the Buffalo game, and if you haven't listened to that, uh, it's a good idea to go back and give it a listen because you made a pretty good case for why the Dolphins, if they were going to get rid of Mike Tannenbaum, should probably get rid of Chris Greer as well. You made a pretty good case for it. Uh, as it turns out, that was not what they did. They decided to keep Greer around, but the the language and the words they used at that press conference really made it sound like this is a team that is ready to enter into rebuilding mode and you know, take it along the way. I mean, Ross was even asked specifically a question about, you know, is it okay if, if, what if, you know, you have to have a bad record for a few years? And Ross said, I would prefer not to go three and 13, but if that's what, if that's what happens and it's part of the rebuilding process, then that's what happens. So he was really, you know, sounded like he was really committed to making this more of a three or four year process and not making it about winning the, trying to win the Super Bowl next year. It was really about trying to make this a more sort of elongated process to, to really rebuild the team and make a meaningful change structurally to the organization. Of course, it's, it's one thing to say that. And it's another thing to just move some people around in the front office. But I think what's important here is that the organization can the, the thing is in the in the past few years the the organization has not said anything about wanting to outwardly do a rebuild they've sort of they've hinted at it and they made moves that sort of suggested that was something that they were maybe wanting to do but it wasn't something that was put out in the open as something that the 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 organization was actively doing now it's been said so it's one thing to say that It's one thing to say that you want to rebuild and, you know, put a, get a winner's mentality in and bring in players who love the game and all of that. It's one thing to say that. That's exactly sort of what you would expect to hear when there is a changing of the guard in the front office at your football club. The next step is what are the actual moves and do the moves support those words? Because if the Dolphins go out there and start splashing around a ton of money in free agency, then that tells you that what they said at this press conference today didn't mean anything. If they go out there and start chasing big name free agents, uh if they, if they bring in a guy like I one of the there's sort of two hot favorites right now to come in and be the quarterback for Miami next year if they decide to move on from Ryan Tannehill, which we'd got no clarification about that today, which you wouldn't you wouldn't expect to get clarification on that until we have a new head coach. But there was the the two sort of hot commodities out there in quarterback land for the dolphins are Teddy Bridgewater and Nick Foles. And if the dolphins splash out big time money for either of those guys and I'm talking about you know Ryan Tannehill kind of money then that sort of goes against what we've been hearing. Um I think if you if you spend reasonable like if you know if Teddy Bridgewater comes in and he's 12 million dollars for Next season, I can deal with that. That's not, that's not an exorbitant amount of money that you're putting out. Um, or if they even decide to stay, well, we're just going to hold on to Ryan Tannehill. I don't, I don't like that decision. And that again is another one financially that maybe doesn't make a whole lot of sense in terms of you want to rebuild. Then why are you paying this guy all of this money this year? Why not just cut him and save and, you know, cut your losses and save what you can? Um, but you know, if holding on to him for a year with an eye towards the future is, the thing, then so be it. But it, if they're, if the Dolphins are going out and spending tons of money on Jadavian Clowney in the offseason and guys like that and really splashing around big money signing free agents, then that goes against what they said. In fact, I, I can't remember if it was Ross or Greer said specifically, they don't want to have a bunch of old free agents on this team. That's what he said, which is kind of amazing because that's what this team has been for however, however long. So. We're really going to have to see in this offseason what kind of moves the Dolphins actually make and do those moves support the idea that this is a team that is looking to rebuild. And I think if we can get through this offseason and there are no ridiculous signings where we're overpaying for underperforming players, then okay, so be it. And then we can, you know, take next season for what it's going to be. The biggest thing is, I know that there are people that are always like, you need to be trying to win the Super Bowl every year. And ideally, yes, that is the goal for your team. But, you know, that's the goal for your players and your coaches who are out there. And that's what they're trying to do is win the Super Bowl. Your front office, we said this a a few weeks ago as well. The front office needs to be those people with the vision for the long term and how to get your team ultimately to the Super Bowl. And what was said today suggests to me that maybe just maybe the Miami Dolphins are serious about doing that. The question now will the moves follow and support that concept? I mean
1: yeah, that's the that's the big question. And for me it remains to be seen. What I'll say about this offseason, I know we're going to have another show, uh probably, you know, this coming weekend we'll do kind of a an off-season preview about what we want to see the dolphins do this off-season but to me this off-season should be about identifying your cornerstones the guys that are on your roster that you want to win that you want to build around to win a championship these are the guys that you that you look at and you say this guy this guy this guy this guy we need to lock them up. These are the guys that are going to be here. These are the guys that we're going to win a championship with. You know, these are the guys that are going to be here for three, four, five, six, seven years down the line. Identify those players this off season and start locking them up. One of them is is Xavier Howard. One of them we're gonna we should they need to make a decision on is Kenyon Drake. And I would say if if, if Kenyon Drake's uh, trade demand ended up getting Adam Gase fired the, and you're going into this saying, well, we don't want to trade Kenyon Drake. OK, well, then you need to lock Kenyon Drake up. You may want to be forward enough to to lock Laramie Tunsil up this offseason. Now, he's got two years left on his deal, so you don't necessarily have to do it with him, but it'd be pretty forward thinking if you did. Um, because you, you could get him locked up now before he's even made a Pro Bowl, but it's a little risky because you you've got that you know he's not set to make any kind of major money here for the next two years. But you could you could lock him up and you could uh you know make his contract so that you know maybe you save a little bit of money at the front end of the deal. But you've got all this cap space that you're gonna have instead of going out there and blowing it on a couple of high price free agents who will be in the prime of their career for three or four more years. Let's be forward thinking about this. And let's look at the guys that are on your roster that you want to win with that will expire in a couple of years. And let's take care of them now so that we don't have to worry about it two years from now. And if that means that we don't have that much cap space to add anything other than like, you know, one or two or $3 million guys, so be it. That's what you should be filling your free agent roster with this offseason is value guys that will fit in, you know, for the next couple of years, you know, maybe you get a guy who has been kind of cast off from another team that went through his rookie deal maybe the uh, doesn't fit exactly with what the other team is doing and he's available and you can find him at, at a bargain and you can get him on like a three-year deal where he's making three or four million a year and he turns into being a really good player you know you find a William Hayes kind of guy William Hayes by the way a guy that if he comes back from his ACL, a guy that I would like for the Dolphins very much to bring back. Um, so be it. And then other guys on the roster, look at them and say, Hey, if this guy's not going to be part of the answer, part of the solution for three, four, five years down the line, well, let's see what we can get from. him. Let's see if we can get some draft picks and then going into the draft and saying, you know, uh, you know, let's say we get to that point where, you know, there's a quarterback there. Look, if there's a quarterback there that you fall in love with, take him. If there's not, and there is nobody there that you're that you're saying this guy is going to be for sure can't miss cornerstone guy. Let's try to trade down. Let's try to get more draft picks because this team has a lot of holes to fill over the next couple of years. If you can fill the most of them in the next year or two and find your quarterback, then you're in position to be a piece or two away. And that's when you strike in free agency, but we're not there yet. So let's not blow our wad. Like we, we try to do when we are like, you know, we're realistically five or six pieces away. And then we think, well, let's spend all our money on two guys and hope that we hit on everybody else in the draft, because we're not hitting on everybody in the draft. It just, it's not something historically that we do. And it's something that's very difficult to do. In general, in the NFL, is to hit on all your draft picks. So, if you're not going to hit on them, if you're going to historically hit on half of them, then let's be realistic. If we've got, you know, seven, eight, if we're seven or eight pieces away right now, and you're going to have, you're probably going to be, you'll lose a couple of pieces here in the next year or two, then really you're about 10 pieces away. That's realistically two or three drafts. So, let's take our time let's make smart prudent moves and and then see where we're at
0: yeah that's that's what we need to do and we will we will do another episode as the brain sort of hinted at uh maybe over the weekend where we're going to sort of outline what our ideas are for the off season we can sort of go through the current roster and and try to figure out who is going to be part of this team going forward we'll at that point talk about potential we'll probably have a lot more clarity on potential future head coaches for the team, maybe even have a guy locked down by then. It seems that's a pretty quick turnaround, but that's a possibility as well. Um, as of this moment, as we record here late in the afternoon on Monday, December 31st, it seems like the two candidates that I've heard um, that are serious candidates that the Dolphins are looking to interview, uh, it's Flores, the defensive coordinator for... The Patriots and then Vic Fangio, the defensive coordinator of the Bears. I think it's interesting that the stress that, uh, that those two candidates happen to be defensive coordinators. And after the Dolphins had a historically bad season, um, defensively this year, uh, which by the way, we didn't hear anything about, uh, Matt Burke being retained or let go, but typically speaking, when a head coach is, is removed, in the NFL, most of his staff is is going to go with him, um, you know, be dismissed with him. So while I haven't heard anything explicitly said about members of Gase's staff, I I think it's probably safe to assume that Matt Burke is not going to be part of the Miami Dolphins coaching staff next season. Yeah, I mean the head coach picks their staff. So when a head coach
1: gets fired. Everybody else goes along with them. Yeah. That's the way this thing
0: works. Yeah. So no Matt Burke next year. And and thank goodness for that. So the other thing to talk about coming out of Sunday as it pertains to the future of this organization is draft position. The Dolphins got a little bit of help in the early slate of games on Sunday. The Packers... You didn't help out the Dolphins. They ended up losing to Detroit. However, the uh, Carolina Panthers defeated the New Orleans Saints and the Atlanta Falcons defeated the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So those two things combined with the Dolphins' loss at Buffalo moved the Dolphins into the 13th position in the draft. They had the potential to move up to 11th in the afternoon slate. However, Cincinnati, after almost pulling one out against Pittsburgh, ended up falling short and losing. And Denver lost at home to, or yeah, lost at home to San Diego. So both of those teams, the Dolphins needed to have win so that they could move up an additional slot or two. Didn't happen. So the Dolphins will be drafting 13th in the NFL draft coming up. So, and what I think is important about the fact that the Dolphins are drafting 13th is not specifically their draft position, but... In terms of the idea that the Dolphins are looking to potentially draft a quarterback, and, and I think it goes without saying that the Dolphins will most certainly draft a quarterback. The question is whether they're going to be drafting one in the first round. And I think, I just think it's pretty unrealistic to think that the Dolphins are going to be able to trade up to get one of the top uh, quarterback prospects. Uh If Kyler Murray declares for the draft, he's one. Um, the other is Haskins from Ohio State. Uh, I, I think you're going to have a hard time seeing the Dolphins trade up because of how many teams in front of them need quarterbacks. Just going through the draft order right here, and I'm looking at teams that potentially need a quarterback. Let's see. The First, three teams are set. Arizona, San Francisco, and the Jets, they're all set. Oakland may need a quarterback. Tampa Bay, as of now, says Jameis Winston is still their guy, so they're probably not going to need a quarterback. The Giants, I would think, most assuredly, are going to be draft, looking to draft a quarterback. Jacksonville is going to be looking to draft a quarterback. Detroit, I think, is probably okay with Matt Stafford. Denver... It wouldn't surprise me to see them draft a quarterback, even though they paid a lot of money for Case Keenum. Buffalo is okay. Cincinnati's going to need a quarterback. So there's like four or five teams in front of them that have interest in quarterbacks. And if those teams have interest in quarterbacks, they're probably going to be looking to draft one of those top two quarterbacks. However, this draft is rich with high-quality defensive talent, and that's something that the Dolphins are going to need Quite a lot of, as well as they continue this rebuilding phase. So I think if you, if you, if I had to say one way or the other right now, my thinking is probably that the Dolphins will stay pat where they are, unless they bring in a head coach who absolutely has eyes on one specific quarterback and he wants to go and get them. Unless that's the case, I think the Dolphins may very well stand pat and go with a defensive talent in the first round and maybe draft a quarterback a little bit later on in the process. Um, however, there's any number of possibilities. Apparently John Harbaugh from the Ravens is somebody who's out there uh, and that, you know, the organization might be able to pull off a trade for John Harbaugh and make oh. John Harbaugh the coach of the Miami Dolphins. And if that Come happens, on. they're going to have to sell the farm in order to make that happen. So, I don't know that that's the right move for this organization at this time. I think they'd be better off not having to sacrifice draft picks for a new head coach, even though Harbaugh is a proven talent, which is something that a lot of people want. But at any rate, Dolphins are drafting 13th. Brain, how do you feel about that? I'd rather have a top five pick. Um, no, no. Really? Qu-
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, wh- where would we be drafting had we lost those two games to New England and Buffalo?
0: Uh oh gosh let me see if I let's see here give me a sec um, all right Pauline, well while you're doing that um it's a really weird quarterback draft we would be drafting because- no worse no worst no worse than eighth had we had we lost both of those games and presumably continued to lose out the rest of the way we would have finished five and eleven so we would have been. I'm not sure where we would have been in the tiebreakers with Tampa Bay. Oh, no. We would have been – we would have drafted seventh because we lost to Jacksonville. So we would be in the – at least in the seventh spot, potentially as high as five. Yeah. So this is a
1: weird quarterback draft because none of these quarterbacks, be it it Haskins – be it Murray, uh, be it drew Locke, uh, you know, obviously Herbert decided to go back, uh, for his senior year at Oregon. None of these guys would have been drafted in the top 10 last year. Um, as far as, you know, the grades, the way they've graded out. Um, and they're seen as, you know, mid to late first round picks, or early second round picks. But the thing is, when you're evaluating quarterbacks, the question really isn't, do, do they belong at 10? Do they belong at 15? Should they be drafted in the top five? Should they be drafted at the back of the first round? It doesn't matter where you draft them, and it doesn't matter where they should or shouldn't be drafted. There is one question that you ask when you're evaluating drafting a quarterback in the first round, wherever you're picking. And that is, is this guy a franchise quarterback? And if you answer yes, then he is absolutely worth whatever pick. It doesn't matter if you pick him number one. It doesn't matter if you pick him number 20. It doesn't matter if you pick him anywhere in between. If the guy is going to be a franchise pick... I mean, a franchise quarterback, meaning this is a guy that you foresee being good enough to carry you. And maybe he's not Hall of Fame talent. Maybe he's not Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees. But is he Matt Ryan? Is he Eli Manning? Is he Philip Rivers? Is he Big Ben? If he's a guy that you foresee being good enough to win the super bowl with and be the cornerstone, uh, be your franchise quarterback for a decade plus, then he's absolutely worth whatever pick. Like, and so with all those teams picking in front of you, even if they look at it and they say, well, you know, this defensive lineman is higher on our draft board. They're going to look at the quarterback and they're going to say, if this guy's a franchise quarterback, Doesn't matter that the defensive lineman is graded higher. He's a franchise quarterback. He's worth more. And all it takes is one team to fall in love with that quarterback and they will take him and he'll be off the board. So when you have all those teams that are in need of a franchise quarterback, you know, Denver, regardless of how much money they spent on Case Keenum, they know that Case Keenum is not a franchise quarterback. The Oakland Raiders. Uh, you know, they've, they've been kind of on the fence with Derek Carr. Obviously they owe him a lot of money. They're kind of on the fence. If they fall in love with one of these guys, they're going to take, him. um, and you know, John Gruden loves, loves them quarterbacks and he's going to evaluate the heck out of those quarterbacks. Um, you know, the giants, obviously they need somebody, all of those teams, the Bengals. It just takes one of them to take it. So it would not surprise me, even if like these draft nicks, these draft gurus look at everything and they say, you know, none of these quarterbacks belong being taken in the top 10, top 15. It would not surprise me if come draft day, these guys have skyrocketed up boards and you still end up with three quarterbacks taken in the top 10. Cause that's typically what happens. And we just, we don't know because I've heard a lot of people talk about how, you know, the dolphins missed an opportunity because last year you had those four great quarterbacks, and this year there's nothing, but we don't know. I granted, I absolutely think the dolphins missed an opportunity last year and not taking quarterback, but you can't go back to that. Let's look at this year. You don't know if these guys are going to be good or not, because just look at a few years ago, the draft of, Uh, What was it? I think 2015 or 2000. Yeah, I think it was 2015. Everybody was looking at uh, Mariota and Jameis Winston and said, these guys are can't miss guys. And they went top two in the draft. Those guys are can't miss guys. And then the next year was Jared Goff. Everybody was like, eh, kind of lukewarm on Jared Goff. And then Wentz was a virtual unknown who the Eagles – fell in love with and traded up for to get. Well, let's look back. But but those two guys were not seen as the same caliber prospects as Mariota and Winston. And let's look at where we are now, because where we are now, Jared Goff and and Carson Wentz look like absolute studs. Can't well, miss guys. Well,
0: I, a lot of people are asked, starting to ask questions about Jared Goff after his some of his performances down the stretch here. I think... This playoff run is going to determine a lot about where how Jared Goff is sort of viewed in the big picture of things. He he looked great. He certainly has made a uh, McVeigh out there has certainly made a big difference with him. But I think his performance in some of those cold weather games down the stretch here have given some well, people. He, I'll, well, let's say this. People are pumping the looks, brakes. He a little looks bit. a
1: lot. He looks a lot better than Mariota and Winston.
0: Yes, that's that's okay. I can give you that.
1: And let's look at last year's draft. Uh, not last year. Well, yeah, I guess it Well, no, not last year's draft. That sa- I guess it was that same draft two years ago. The, the third quarterback that nobody was talking about. And everybody thought that the Kansas City Chiefs reached on when they already had Alex Smith was Patrick Mahomes. And he's going to win the MVP. Maybe. I think it should be Breeze. That's okay. But.
0: But he's in the running. He's, yeah, and, he's He and, threw and, 50 but, touchdown passes and 5,000 yards. Right. Is that
1: uh, good? Yeah. It's very good. <laughs> he had a very, very, very good season. Yeah, but did I would he catch say, a touchdown
0: pass like Ryan Tannehill?
1: Nope. And that's why Ryan Tannehill is, that's why they pay him the big bucks.
0: That's right. You had $26 million guaranteed next year because you caught a touchdown pass in a meaningless season finale.
1: And what I'm saying is, is that the, the moral of the story is that you don't know. So when you need a quarterback and you evaluate them and you find a guy that you think is going to that, that you're going to that, that could be a franchise guy, you take him and you don't worry about this. Oh, you you don't look at it and say, oh, well, the quarterbacks in this draft are no good. We're going to wait until next year because you don't know where you're going to be picking next year and you don't know. I mean, if you've got one or two guys in mind next year and those two guys end up being going one and two in the draft, well, then you better end up getting one of them. You better end up tanking to the point where you can get one of them, because then if you don't, well, what are we waiting another year and waiting another year and waiting another year? And you're doing what we did basically for about. 15 years before we drafted Ryan Tannehill, which was you had the end of Marino's career, which you knew was coming. You knew you needed to draft a quarterback of the future, but we kept putting it off because we kept picking in the middle of the first round and we kept saying, well, we don't love this guy. We don't love this guy. You know, let's put it off. Let's put it off. And then you end up with Jay Fiedler. And then you still are finishing in the middle of the, of the first round every year. And you're saying, you know, I mean, you did have the one opportunity <laughs> where you had the opportunity to draft Aaron Rodgers and instead you took Ronnie Brown and you blew that. But save for that, you just you just middle of the draft and you're like, no, I don't I don't, I'm not in love with this prospect. So we're going to go a different direction. We'll wait until next year to draft a quarterback. Wait until next year. And then you go all these years of mediocrity where the one thing separating you from really taking a leap is the quarterback position. And you look back and say, well, what have you done to address the quarterback position? And you've drafted one quarterback in the first round over the past 30 years. And is it really a surprise that you haven't found your quarterback? So you better take one at some point early. And if it doesn't work out, don't, Don't tie yourself to them the way we've tied ourselves to Tannehill and just give the guy excuse after excuse and say, we got to wait another year. Got to wait another year. Keep drafting because I'll tell you, I'll give you an example of a team. And granted, this team hasn't won a Super Bowl, although I, I think they've got a shot this year. But the San Diego Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers now, they drafted Drew Brees. Granted, they drafted him early in the second round, not in the first round, but it was like the first pick of the second round. Um, they drafted Drew Brees and Drew Brees a little up and down the first few years of his career, but it was, you know, and obviously he had the shoulder injury, but before he even had the injury, they drafted Philip Rivers. Well, technically they drafted Eli Manning and then they traded for Philip Rivers, but they went out and they drafted another franchise quarterback, even though they already had one because they weren't a hundred percent sold that Drew Brees was going to be the answer.
0: Well, I can tell you another organization that wasn't sure that Drew Brees was going to be the answer.
1: Twice. <laughs> the uh, Miami Dolphins.
0: Uh, but the the point
1: is, is that even though Drew Brees ended up being Hall of Fame guy, so did Phillip Rivers. And the 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 San Diego Chargers may indeed win a Super Bowl with Phillip Rivers at some point. Maybe they won't. But they've had that position locked down. And they weren't afraid to go and get a guy and you've got to have that kind of foresight and you got to look at it. Look at the Kansas city chiefs because the Kansas city chiefs had Alex Smith and Alex Smith had the best year of his career two years ago. And the chiefs still went out and said, well, you know, Alex Smith is doing fine. But at the end of the day, we need to draft a franchise quarterback. That's an upgrade from Alex Smith. So they did it and they drafted Patrick Mahomes and now they're in a much better situation. So the the, Dol- you, you, the moral of the story is if there's a quarterback out there that you like, you got to take him and you don't know uh you know, oh is this you don't worry about is this the court year to take a quarterback, is next year the year to take a quarterback. The bottom line is if there's a quarterback there that you think could be a franchise quarterback, you take him and you hope for the best.
0: And that'll be something that remains to be seen, whether or not the Dolphins are going to be able to do. Is Chris Greer the man to do that? Well, he's the man that Stephen Ross has put his faith in, so only time will tell. I think, Brain, that should probably wrap us up for this episode of the show. Um In our next episode, we can sort of, will thoroughly reflect on the 2018 Dolphins season. Um This one was sort of overtaken by the fact that there was all of the news of the day, the firing of Gase, the promotion of Greer, and the relocation of Mike Tannenbaum. I'll believe that when I see it. But uh, so – our next episode that we'll record on Sunday will sort of make it more of a season recap episode and we'll, we'll approach it with eyes towards the future. If the Dolphins have not hired a head coach by that point, we'll probably know who the candidates are for the position. So we can talk about that. Um, and then, yeah. And so just to give everybody an idea of as we begin to head into the off season here, the plan is going to be to, Not do regular shows. We're not gonna, we're not gonna do multiple shows a week. We're probably, frankly, not even gonna be doing one show a week, but we'll be popping up from time to time whenever there's certain amounts of news that we think we should be reporting on or not necessarily reporting on, but talking about. Um, so we'll pop up in your feed from time to time. We'll try to do something approaching a draft preview show as we get close to that. We'll probably do some sort of draft post show as well. And then, uh, obviously, as we get closer to the season, things will start to heat up a little bit, and we'll be there. So expect to hear from us sporadically throughout the off season as things happen off the field. um, that's sort of the plan for now, Of course, if things change, we'll let you know, but uh for now that's that's sort of the plan. So we'll be back with you later this week to uh reflect on the season and to more accurately or with a bit more focus, take a look at the offseason and how the Dolphins move on from here. In the meantime, brain, where can the people find you? Can find me on Twitter at in the Brain. And you can find me on Twitter at Amplified to Rock. The show is on Twitter at Same Old Dolphins. Speaking of Twitter, uh, Twitter is telling me that the Dolphins have now requested an interview. With the Steelers' offensive line coach Mike Munchak, so add another name to the list of potential head Because he did, because coach he did a great
1: job as the head coach of the Tennessee Titans a couple of years, a couple yeah. uh, go arounds ago. Listen, I mean, the, Dolph- <laughs> the Dolphins. I, I, is anybody else a little disturbed that we're looking at the defensive coordinator of the New England Patriots, who's been the defensive coordinator for one year after, uh, you know, Patricia was there for however many years? And he leaves, and they're – I mean, it's not like their defense was great. <laughs> their, defense their defense was bad. bad. Their defense is bad. Yeah, well, why are we even looking at the defense? Does anybody understand how the Patriots work? Bill Belichick is, is the defensive mind there.
0: <laughs> oh, this is this is what. Listen, this is just they're casting a wide net. They want to talk to a lot of different people, and and find the right candidate. I like I like I said, it wouldn't surprise me if we didn't have. Uh, a candidate, uh, you know, within the next week. I, I think it could take a little while. So, anyway, that's happening. Um, every episode of the show is available on Apple Podcasts. So, we hope that you will download, rate, review, and subscribe to the show over there. Seriously, give us a give us a five star rating, give us a, a review. You've been with us for a full season now. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts, and uh, the Apple Podcasts place is a good place to do that. Um, I don't know if there's a rating system on the Google Play music, uh, thing, but if there is, give us a positive review over there too, because we are available, um, over there as well. So we'd, we'd appreciate you getting checked out there. Um, let's see what else we are on Stitcher. You can get every episode on Stitcher. You can get every episode on SoundCloud as well. And don't forget, we are now part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. Every episode of this show is available on DolphinsTalk.com. And for those of you who listen to the Landon and Jeff show over there on DolphinsTalk.com, I just uh, cut a new intro for that show today. So uh, if you listen to the Landon and Jeff show over there on DolphinsTalk.com, you will hear a familiar voice doing the intro to that show. Make sure you are stopping by DolphinsTalk.com every day for all things Miami Dolphins. It's your one-stop shop for all of your latest Miami Dolphins news. And finally, of course, we are on Facebook, Facebook Facebook.com slash same old Dolphins, and you can uh, get up to date on everything that we are doing over there. All right, that's going to wrap us up. We will be back over the weekend to talk about the year that was and the offseason that will be. But until then, have a very, very happy new year. Take care of yourselves and each other, and we'll talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins! Miami Scott Dolphins, the greatest of all teams. Take the ball from